0: Before we proceed to the episodes, if you're interested to learn more from Christina Paltel, she also teaches an in-depth course on the IPS Academy about confidence and goal setting. If you'd like to learn about how to make the impossible possible from a two-time world record holder and the first woman to run alone for 1,144 miles through Iran, Check out her online course on the IPS Academy by going to innerpicturestories.com goal. There you can read the full course description, watch the intro video, read reviews from other people who took the course and try out some of the preview lessons to see if this might be a course for you. Once again, you can find it at innerpicturestories.com/goal. The link to the course can also be found in the description of this episode. With that, let us go on to the interview with Christina Paltel. Welcome to the Inner Picture Stories podcast. My name is Vas your host and the founder of Inner Picture Stories, the educational platform on life. I hereby invite you to come on a journey with me. In each episode, we will dive into the life of an inspiring person seeking lessons of wisdom about life and the world we live in. Answers that you can take away and use in your own life. It's true that no one ever said life would be easy, but it's also true that no one ever said you had to do it alone. So get ready, and let the journey begin.
1: When I see that fear is a substantial part of the society where I'm living, then I started thinking, okay, do I think this is healthy? Do I think this will lead to a good society? No, definitely not. I I think fear between people causes arguments, causes violence in the end. Fear between nations causes war. That's not what I want. I want something else, and what's the opposite? And I thought, maybe the opposite is love, maybe the opposite is peace, or maybe it's trust. And I decided to, okay, let's go for trust.
0: (laughs) This is episode 013 with Christina Baltel. Hello there, my dear friends. I hope each one of you listening is doing well. And thank you for tuning in to the Inner Picture Stories podcast. This is your host, Jelis Vaz, speaking. Today we have invited here on the show a woman who is a real example of courage, Facing your fear and following your heart. Christina Paltel. She is an ultra runner, a two-time world record holder of running on a treadmill, an adventurer, a believer and an advocate of positive change in the world and an all-around beautiful soul. Some of her adventures include climbing Agongagwa, which is a 6,962 meter high mountain in Nepal, running from Istanbul in Turkey to Tenela in Finland, which is a total of 3,260 kilometers, followed by kayaking 500 kilometers from Finland back to her home in Stockholm, running 1,144 miles alone as a woman through Iran, which, yes, we most definitely touch upon throughout the interview and many many more adventures. This is an interview that covers the topics of courage, facing your fears and following your heart beautifully. Also an important subject we talk about includes the reason why she ran 1,144 miles alone through Iran. We hear and see on the news but one side of the coin, and this is the negative side, the drama in this world. Very rarely do we see the other side, the positive side, the love and kindness there is in this world. With this run through Iran, Christina wanted to face her own prejudice and fears of a country and people that were unknown to her, but which have been given a very wrong and unjustified image because of the media, mainly What we see in the media are the politics, not the day-to-day lives of people who simply want to live in peace and happiness. Yet, because of this, unjustified hate and an incomplete image is created and spread around. With this run, Christina wanted to see the truth through her own eyes instead of through the eyes of the media. What happened? Well, I will leave that story for Christina to tell during the interview. One final note, the audio starts off a bit badly, but if you give it a few seconds, it picks up much better around the second question. This is one of those interviews that gets better and better every minute, so stick with it and I can guarantee you, it will not disappoint. With that, enjoy this interview with the one and only Christina Paltel. Christina, a warm welcome here to the Inner Picture Stories podcast. I'm so glad to have you here and and just many thanks for taking the time to do this interview. You are a very inspiring woman who has done some astonishing things that I can't wait to dig deeper in.
1: Thank you. It's very nice to be here.
0: So before we we do dig within the main subject of uh, this interview, I always like to start with uh, three simple starting questions for both of us to get a bit warmed up. The uh, first one that I have for you, Christina, is what do you think is the cause of unhappiness in most people?
1: I believe that every person has a purpose or a calling. Staying away from that purpose or calling causes unhappiness. Yeah, happiness is caused by doing, living your purpose, and also living your calling and do what you really want to do. I, I believe there is a reason. I love running, for instance, and why you love what you love to do. And I think unhappiness simply comes from not doing what you're supposed to do, which means living your purpose.
0: Yeah, I I totally uh, agree on that. Uh, the, the last uh, question here of the starting questions, appreciation. For me, uh, appreciation is a pretty important practice for anyone to get better at. Is there something specific or just something that you do to help remind yourself of your appreciation of life?
1: Yes, there are. For instance, I was running a competition last week. It's a 926 meter long lap and you go running as far as you can for six days, which means you try to minimize sleep. But you also need to take care of your thoughts, of course, which means I always need to encourage myself and appreciate myself for what I'm doing Mm. and after running that competition, I ended up doing 721.79 kilometers. Oh. <laughs> 120 kilometers per day, approximately. Body is totally weird out. and But at the same time, when I wake up the day after, there's so much gratitude. There's so much just enjoying to see the the sharp edge of a cloud towards the sky or how sun is shining through the leaves in a tree, or the way the birds are singing, or to hear the wings flapping. So I think after such a big exhaustion, I, I become very, very present and also pay attention to little, little details that I usually don't. And also being grateful for them.
0: Mm. Yeah, It's mostly, I mean, life is pretty much in the small details so it's pretty good to pay attention to them too uh, with that final question actually of the starting questions let's move to the main subject of the show which will be about some of your adventures ultra running courage and and following your heart. because when i think about you these are the elements that i feel are that you are an incredible example of thank you now you so you are quite an adventurous person. You you've broken two world records, which we will come to talk about soon. Uh, You're an ultra runner. You climb mountains, sail across the ocean, went on some awesome kayak adventures, and, and just many more things. What got you sort of started with these adventures? Has there been something or someone that inspired you, or were you just always this adventurous even when you were a kid?
1: No, I was not. My dad always tells me about how afraid I was about learning how to ride my bike. <laughs> he had to fool me and pretend that he was holding my bike. <laughs> so I would believe he did that, even though he didn't. And actually, I think the starting point for me was a friend who asked me when I was 31 if I wanted to go run a 10k race together with her. 10k is not, I mean, it's a, it's a normal race. It's not much. But I had never done a race before. And I thought, well, why not? Let's try it. And I liked it. And since then, I've been well, moving slowly towards running longer and longer distances. So the year after that, I did a half marathon. And after that, I did a full marathon. And then I continued into ultramarathons, which meant 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers, 24-hour races, etc.
0: Oh, and this pretty much started when you were 31, you said?
1: Yes, That was pretty old.
0: <laughs> I mean, pretty old, you're still young, consider, but like, that's it's, it's kind of interesting actually to know, especially if uh, you know some of the adventures that you did. So they all pretty much started from ter- uh, age 31.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's of course it's a long life story behind it, but at the age of 32, I mean, I, w- I thought that I would live a ordinary life with having children, having a job and, well, buying a house and things like that. But at the age of 32, it turned out that my husband left me because he found another woman. Mm. And he did that after we were told that we were not able to have children. So that was a major crisis in my life, of course, with divorce, no children. And also at that time, I, was, um, uh, I had a burnout. So I was um, on a sick leave from my work. So my career crashed. That was very healthy in the sense that After recovering or while recovering, I realized that Okay, Christina. Hey, you have uh, you have failed with everything in your life With the family with children with my husband with my career with my health with everything Well now there's nothing more I can fail with
0: (laughs) That's actually interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm free to do whatever I want to because the worst things already happened and hey I'm still here. I'm alive. I still have friends. I still have my mom, dad, my sister. And there's so much so much that's valuable in my life. And now I know that even when I fail with everything, my friends are still around me. My family is still around me. So why not go out and just try to do whatever I want to try to do? Because before my divorce, I was I was quite afraid of making mistakes. Well, but I did all the mistakes I could do. So i'm done
0: yeah and that's a beautiful realization actually that you had and it's i mean as as unpleasant of course it is in those moments when something like that happens they do mostly lead to pretty deep insights
1: yes which is very valuable
0: yeah and um and this next question is maybe maybe you answered it partly already but What is it for you that you enjoy so much about these adventures? What is it that you find in them?
1: For me, it's always about personal development. My goal in life is to always develop as a person, which means, I mean, learning things are are good and I like it, but learning about myself and how I handle myself, that's the most fun part in my mind. So for instance, like doing this six days race like I did now, when you're on the edge on on what's physically possible to do, then I learn a lot about how I can handle my mental attitude to be able to do that.
0: I mean, you, you, you kind of have to then, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's only in those moments that you can really go really, or that you are actually asked to go deep.
1: Mm, yeah, and, and to develop as a person, you have to go out of what's comfortable and experience new Areas and and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work and it's it's terrible as also, but it's uh, I mean to Live and kind of understand that okay, there's no limitation to my abilities my physical abilities There's the only limitations are in my head and there is to overcome that That's quite incredible to live that kind of life
0: Yeah, cuz I mean I think like the body you know, the physical body has limits, but the mind is unlimited. And once you realize that, you can accomplish pretty amazing things, actually.
1: But I, I think that the interesting thing is, even though I've been running as far as I've been running, I haven't found that physical lim- limit yet. Oh. So, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. I know there are some, some limits, of course, but I haven't found them, really.
0: Yeah, but I do think it's also because if you... You grow your mind when it grows I think also the abilities that you have with your physical body also will grow with that of course
1: yeah I don't really know how that works but um, I don't know for me it seems like it's my mind that determines how far I can go not my body definitely I'm very curious about how far can my mind go then mm-hmm I don't know that.
0: No, I think, I think the mind can pretty much be unlimited, but uh, yeah, you, you, and, and I think the more you start or you, the more you do this kind of adventures that you do, the more you also start seeing that it can go pretty far.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a very valuable insight.
0: On on your website, I obviously read some of your adventures and I, I liked it a lot that by each one of them, you wrote the goal, why you did it and what you wanted out of it. Now, I have two questions on this. So, first of all, from the outside, I don't know if, um, if many people have said this to you, but I'm sure many might have thought so when you do such adventures that you are a fearless person. However, if you read all of the blog posts about your adventures, you always did them because, in fact, there was something you deeply feared about it. Yes. Uh, And through the years, what do you feel that you've come to discover and learn about fear that you feel a lot of other people don't seem to understand?
1: Well, I think a lot of people are afraid of fear itself. But being afraid is not dangerous, it's just uncomfortable. To have a man with a knife staggering staggering you, that's dangerous. But not to be afraid of that man in your fantasy. I mean, do, do you understand the difference? i
0: I mean i do and that's a good point actually that you just mentioned area
1: and i think fear is complex i think it's not easy to say fear in one way or in another way but but fear i think there's good fear in the terms that fear that helps me prepare my adventures for instance me and Karina, we were going to kayak in the winter time and i was terribly afraid of drowning beneath the ice and in in ice cold water so
0: which is understandable
1: (laughs) and of course we learned how to do how to rescue ourselves in in those cold circumstances we bought dry suits we i mean we prepared we learned how to handle the cold and in that sense i mean i'm afraid of drowning in ice cold water so i learned how to avoid i mean i don't avoid paddling through ice-cold water because I want to do that. But I learn how to handle the danger of possibly drowning. So in that sense, fear is a good thing. But fear that if I wouldn't go kayaking in the winter, even though I was longing to do that, that kind of fear is, is in my mind, a destructive fear because it prevents me from living the life that I want to live. Mm. And that's not healthy.
0: I agree. And, and, and so, like um, sometimes fear and excitement are pretty close together too
1: exactly that's why we go to amusement parks and watch horror movies yeah it's
0: true it's true (laughs) so secondly on that uh is there is there anything you do before each adventure that helps you to cope with fear better do you have like any kind of exercises or is there something specific you say to yourself or how do you mentally prepare for uh, yourself if you do anything specific at all of course
1: yeah, I, I mean, I do prepare both practically and mentally. And practically, I usually I write down what I'm afraid of because it's a kind of risk analysis. And I, and I want to succeed with my adventure, so I try to avoid those risks. And then, I mean, if I write down what I'm afraid of, then I can also prepare actions so those things won't happen. So that's the practical part. But also mentally, I usually I usually set up a goal, a vision, which means. For instance, me and Karina, we were running from Turkey to Finland, and then we kayak from Finland to Stockholm. And we visualize and see ourselves kayaking side by side to the city hall in Stockholm. And that's in my mind a really powerful tool to to create that goal vision inside my head. So, so my entire body, my entire person knows that this is the way it's going to be when we're done. So, and for instance, when I did the world record on treadmill, I also did similar goal visions. For Iran it was more difficult because I didn't know what it would look like when I was there.
0: This is something quite that you hear a lot by many athletes uh, that they visualize mostly uh, the race that they can step by step already see what's gonna sort of come.
1: Yeah and I truly believe in it and I know that it works. It worked very well for me during the world record for instance.
0: Yeah, so talking about that, let's, um, let's talk a bit more specific uh, about some of your adventures, starting with the first world record you broke, which was running 12 hours on a treadmill, where you ran 107.49 kilometers. How, how did that decision happen? What made you want to do this?
1: Well, actually, it was a colleague of mine who sent me an email with a link to the world records on treadmills, and I opened it and I saw that, whoa, I could beat that record and I could do that today. But then my brain started arguing with me saying, hey, Christina, but you're not a world record holder. That's not you. Mm-hmm. But I was, I'm, and it's kind of fun to see how my own picture or my own identity stops me from what I'm capable of doing. Because from a physical point of view, I knew that I could beat the old record. That was not a problem. But mentally, I was not really prepared to be a world record holder. So I I had to argue a little bit with myself. And I did that for a few days until one day I realized, but but hey, if I can set one world record in my entire life, and then I'm not doing it, that's madness. (laughs) Don't do that to yourself. And then I decided to, okay, let's do it. So I, I ran across the parking lot to a gym where I used to train. And I asked the, the manager there for if I could do it at his gym. And then he just looked, stared at me and said, wow, but if you're going to make a world record here at my gym, then I want to create a big event. Let's make an open house. They put it on the web and let everyone be invited and come and join. And let put people beside you to run with you and encourage you. And then I thought, oh my god. <laughs> Because I I just thought that I would do I would run on a treadmill And no one would care And when I was done I could tell people that Wow, I do have a world record But now it turned out being a big event instead And according to the rules It has to be an open event It has to be announced for the public And we did that big event And so I also had to train mentally Because I was not so afraid of the distance I was afraid of being the center of attention and so I had to try mentally on being able to do that but once I got up on the treadmill and people started cheering and then it was just more and more and more people I mean at the end it was 10,000 people following this on the web and it turned out becoming a a news in, in Sweden And I I, I received 481 emails from people all over the world saying congratulations to to the new world record. And, And it turned out that I inspired a lot of people. And that's a really warm, and nice, and cozy, and comfortable feeling. So it turned out that setting the world record was not so much about the number of kilometers. Instead, it was more of, wow, I did let myself be the center of attention for a while I did something that I really enjoyed to do I I was running and once when I did that it seemed like I let a lot of other people be as astonishing as well because 11 people set personal records while running beside me on that treadmill and so it was wow something is Happening, something is going on inside others when I am doing what I love to do, and that was the starting point of well following my heart and doing what I'm dreaming of doing.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. What kind of what kind of misbeliefs changed in you after that event?
1: That I didn't like attention. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I really love being that center of attention, and I love it from time to time. At the same time. I also need a lot of time alone I like to be alone and so I need both
0: yeah I mean I think everyone need need both to kind of the balance but some need a bit more the other one than the other part right but um, I think everyone kind of likes to be the center point of attention in some areas of course yes. but not always <laughs> not always not all the time I I have that too I do like to be more on my own but I do like the other part too
1: and it's really nice to be, I mean, to be a person that inspires others is really something to be grateful for.
0: You, so you broke the world record of running on a treadmill in 2013. Yep. And the year later, in 2014, you broke your own world record and ran 24 hours, which was 322.93 kilometers you ran 60% longer than your previous world records, That's which is just insane. So (laughs) a couple of questions on that. Um, I will come to ask this question one more time later in the interview, but how, how did you prepare for this? Like, when did you start working out for it? How did you, how did your training schedule look like? And, and also how did you prepare mentally for beating your own world records?
1: Yeah. Well, First of all, it, it was a 48-hour world record. So it was running as long as I could on 48 hours. And uh, yeah. yeah, and those are separate classes. So in the sense that 12 hours, you try to do as much distance as you can in 12 hours. And then 24 hours, you do as much distance as you can in 24 hours. And 48 hours is the same thing. You do as much distance as you can. So it's like different um, distances, even though it's not distance, it's time-wise. I had been running 12 hours. I had been running 24 hours. And I knew I had a friend who had um, been doing a 48-hour race. And I had never done that. So I did not know what I was capable of doing. But my friend and I, we have the same personal records on 24 hours. We have the same result on 100 kilometer, And he had done uh, 345 kilometers or something like that on a 48-hour race so I thought if we have the same ability then I should be able to do 300 plus at least on a treadmill because on a treadmill my legs get much more stiff than on on normal ground. Is there a
0: reason for that or is that just
1: there are no no hills (laughs) no drops so and and when it's flat your your legs get more uh, stiff and also the treadmill is the same pace you have to push the button to change the pace. And if you're running on asphalt, you're changing the, the pace a little bit more. You know, I mean, just like that, it's easier to change it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so that's the reason why we have become more stiff. And the female world record was 309.8 at that time. So I thought, okay, if my friend can do 345, well, then I definitely should be able to beat 309.8. At the same time, the maximum distance I had made it before was 201 kilometer on a 24-hour race. So, And I know that I usually get tired in the end of a race, and uh, I didn't want to become that on, on the world record. So I did not want to set the goal to just beat 309.8. So I did find that there was a Finnish male who had the Nordic record for male, and it was 318.54. Hmm. So I wanted to beat him as well. So I, it turned out that I set my goal to 322 kilometers. And the friend that I mentioned that had done 345 or 48 hours, he was running around 50 to 100 kilometers a week for training. And I thought, well, if he can do 345 kilometers on that kind of training, why not double his training and do 100 to 200 kilometers per week in my training? Then I will be safe to be able to to beat the world record. So that's, I mean, the basic planning. And I did start training 13 weeks ahead of the, the world record, well, trial. Yeah, right. And I did make a small plan for myself. But most of all, I did a very, I did a lot of mental training because when uh, When you do set a world record, you need two observers all the time, and I knew who the people who were going to be observers, and I could make a a film in my head where I could see myself coming to the gym, starting running on on the treadmill, seeing the first uh, couple of observers being there, see how they leave, see how the next couple come, and while I'm still running, all the time. And then just play that movie in my head all the time until I passed the female world record. I passed the Nordic male record and I did end up at 322 kilometers, turning off the treadmill and then taking a shower, putting on my clothes and then go to a bar and have a big burger together with my friends <laughs> at <that> the <to elevate. laughs>
0: you, you more than deserve that, I, I would say. So, yes. I only guess now, but I would assume that there must have been a moment that you thought about giving up while you were running. Was there any moment like that?
1: No, actually not. Ah, because that's interesting. I did a lot of mental training, and when I came to the gym and the first pair of observers asked me, but, Christina. If your plan will not work, are we going to recalculate it for you then? I simply couldn't understand the question. Mm-hmm. Of course it was going to work. There were no plans of something else.
0: I, I see. You already put it in your head that you sort of already did it.
1: I totally programmed my mental, I mean, my head and my body that this is the way it's going to happen. And actually that's the way it did happen. So I did run 322.93 kilometers. <laughs>
0: that's amazing
1: yeah and i think that's why i can say that mental training really works because it really helped me i was so totally focused on this is the way it's going to be and that's the way it also did become
0: yeah i mean honestly the the physical part is the easiest part but the mental part is the hardest but the most important
1: yeah it is and i think a lot of people put attention into physical training and also into well setting a goal but Uh, What I see is that a lot of people sometimes forget to have a clear vision of when you're done. And that means, for me, that's sitting in that bar, eating that burger together with my friends and celebrating. That's the goal vision.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. That's actually very interesting to hear.
1: A good goal and a good uh, goal vision, in my mind, is behind the actual goal. I mean, I, I only needed to do 310k to beat the old world record. But my goal was three hundred twenty-two. Oh, so that's I see. Burger. Yeah. And also the goal vision is having the burger, not just ending my run on the treadmill.
0: Right. So already having the celebration part, already visioned that too. Yes. So breaking that world records and I'm I'm sure in, in addition to other things, but setting that world record let you that following year, 2015, to another big adventure of yours. One that received quite some media attention from all over the world and for good reason as it's astonishing what you did to run a thousand hundred forty four miles alone as a woman through Iran. And for those here from Europe, that is a thousand eight hundred (laughs) and forty one kilometers. Now before I ask some questions about that, I want to ask something different first, you are big on following your hearts, and you truly are a beautiful example, Christina, of what can happen uh, when you do follow your hearts. For those who are listening, who are afraid to follow their hearts and there are many people who are, either because of expectations from someone or simply living with the fear of not wanting to fail. But to those who are afraid to follow their own hearts, what words of advice from your own personal experiences would you say to anyone who is afraid to follow their own heart?
1: Well, I think it's normal to be afraid of that. And I think you shouldn't blame yourself if you're afraid of it. It's not an easy way, in a sense. At the same time, it is the most wonderful way to live a life, in my mind. Following the heart, for my sake, has meant learning so much and developing so much, and but also meeting a lot of fears and learning from that and also to discover and it sounds a bit silly to say that but also to discover your own potential and your own ability also gives a responsibility in my mind mm-hmm. because if, if i can affect the way the world is working and then i'm not doing it what kind of person am i then Following your heart is, in one sense, a very difficult decision, and it's good to have respect for that. But I think loving yourself also means giving you the chance to follow your heart. And it's, it's very important in my mind to be kind to yourself while doing that, because it is a hard way, <laughs> but it's also the most beautiful way to live your life.
0: Yeah, and it's hard because it's personal, right? Like it's your heart, like it's your dreams though. It's always going to be harder than doing someone else's dream or doing something that you don't want to do. It's definitely not easy, but like you said, it's... Um...
1: It is so much rewarding. Exactly. And I think, I mean, living a life where you just do like everybody else is doing, that's kind of simple because no one will ever question you or... Or argue with you but uh, if you live your life which means being something totally different than what other people are then you can be questioned you can be but you can also be I mean people can also be inspired by you so it is a risk but it's also very a chance
0: Mm, it is and it's also you know it's very simple if you don't try you will never know so
1: and what I'm thinking is what if what if I lay there if i'm if i'm living until i'm 95 years old and i lay in my bed and i'm supposed to die and i regret that i never tried mm. is that the way i want to live my life so i think failure is not the biggest issue but not trying is the only failure
0: i agree that's like where regrets is honestly the worst thing that you can have yeah so i'm 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 sure that this following question You've come to answer quite a few times by now, so I apologize for asking it once again. But um, it's an important question to bring more context to the story. Running 1,144 miles alone in Iran,
1: mm. why did
0: you want to do that?
1: Yeah, and this is interesting because this was the first time that my adventures were not just about myself. And I feel a little bit ashamed to say that because I feel very selfish. but. This time, it was about that I wanted to affect the society where I am living. In Sweden, we have a xenophobic party that is growing quite a lot during the recent years. And in my mind, I think that xenophobia is a lot about fear between people, people who don't know each other, people with different cultures, values, whatever. And when I decided to do the 12-hour world record, my decision was actually never to let fear rule my life. I could have not done that attempt because I was afraid of failure, but that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life by what I want to achieve. When I see that fear is a substantial part of the society where I'm living, then I started thinking, okay, do I think this is healthy? Do I think this will lead to a good society? No. Definitely not. I, I think fear between people causes arguments, causes violence. In the end, fear between nations causes war. Yeah. That's not what I want. I want something else. And what's the opposite? And I thought, maybe the opposite is love. Maybe the opposite is peace, or maybe it's trust. And I decided to, OK, let's go for trust. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I want to act for a world or a society of trust between people. And I thought that the biggest fear was between the Muslim world and the Western world. And we see similar patterns in in other countries in Europe as well. So I'm a part of the Western society. So I thought, if I want trust, I need to give trust. Because trust between people is an exchange process. So me and my friend Karina, we had been running from Turkey to Finland and I, thought, I knew that I was able to run long distances. So I just thought, well, what if I put on my running shoes and, and go doing exactly what I usually do and then do it as a single woman through a Muslim country? And then I choose Iran because it is a Muslim country by the way it's run. It has Sharia laws. And in my mind, a single woman should not at all be able to, to do that. But I also knew from the run from Turkey that my prejudice about the countries we were running through were, they were completely wrong. So what if my prejudice about Iran are wrong as well? What if it works to to run there as a single woman? And what if I put all my trust into the hands of these unknown people and it actually works? How will I affect my society here back at home then?
0: This also reminds me of, It's a TEDx talk, but it's also a guy who traveled or backpacked around the world. But in each country that he was in, and he was like hitchhiking, uh, the people in the car were always talking bad about the country that he was going to. But then each time that he was in the other country, everyone was treating him with a lot of respect and doing the total opposite of what the other people were saying. So we do have a very wrong idea of these kind of countries because we don't have all the information we only hear what comes on the news mostly and you shouldn't only believe that because that's just one tiny part of the everything that is happening
1: yeah and i mean if we talk about iran i mean what we hear on the news are about the politicians in iran yeah very very small fraction of the population there's 80 million people in iran you cannot judge 80 million people out of an undemocratic uh, government
0: you can and you shouldn't but people pretty much do it because that's what they only see
1: yeah because that's the only thing we see and i also think our our brains like to make the world black and white because it's easy for us to understand them and also our brains are more sensitive to threat than to trust so it's very easy to end up believing that things and people are dangerous
0: it is it is and i mean also you uh, people you should like the, the, the news or the mainstream news pretty much sells what it can sells the best and that is drama because we're more mm. attuned to actually picking that up. So it's actually uh, kind of good to know that fact because um, that's why you only see bad things mostly in the news.
1: Mm, yeah, because we trigger more on threats.
0: Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to hear how how you prepared for this run in iran i mean the distance is one thing but then there is also the heat how did you train for all this
1: well for the heat i knew it was going to be warm so i did try to make some special clothing i need to cover my body it's according to the laws in the in the country but i could not really find good clothing so but what i did and what a friend gave me was really a brilliant idea he gave me um a cap for for kayaking which has a piece of cloth in the, in the neck to cover from the Sun so I, I did not wear a hijab I just have that cap and that was really good because then uh, I did have a running hijab that looks like a balaclava and then it's covering the throat and everything and it's just too warm but with a cap I mean it was just like wearing a regular cap and then I put my hair in a ponytail and, and covered it with a With a cloth in the neck, and then I had well, long, long long-sleeved running jacket and trousers that were, uh, I mean, not tight.
0: How how warm was it actually in Iran? Because I could imagine pretty warm.
1: It was uh, well plus forty-five degrees Celsius quite a lot of the time. Oh God. The worst day, uh, my I had a thermometer, uh, a thermome, I don't know the word in English, a thermometer. How do you say it?
0: Oh, uh, uh, oh God, <laughs> let me think too. Um, thermometer.
1: A yeah, thermometer. Yeah, I had one of that on on my baby jogger, and it was in the at the bottom, so it was more than plus 50 degrees Celsius at worst. But that was in the beginning, and then it was. Cooler along the way because I was I started in in September and ended in November So in the end I had plus three Celsius and snow so it was changing but at the beginning it was plus 45 Then along the Caspian Sea it was very humid and plus 35 around that But after passing the Caspian Sea it became better.
0: So it was a mix of a a couple of different kind of temperatures (laughs) in in your TEDx talk which i will by the way link up in the show notes for everyone to find you you mentioned that when you set out to do this you received all sort of support the regime in iran gave you permission to run through iran a swedish journalist wanted to come along to take pictures and write articles a iranian movie company wanted to take along and make a documentary but then one by one, they all sort of fell away, leaving you in the end on your own again. Also, there were many concerns with your close friends and family members. I can only imagine probably uh, making in the end the decision for doing this far from easy. Now, the question I have on that, and I'm very curious, but what kind of self-talk did you have with yourself that made you in the end decide to go despite all the fears that you felt and everything everyone said.
1: Well I just thought this was too good not to be done in in the sense that I loved the idea. I truly believed that it would work out well. And also well it also a question about following my heart. I know my, my sister she was terribly afraid and so was a couple of friends of mine. But but if I if I have decided not to let my own fear rule my life should i let their fear rule my life what kind of person do i become then if i'm just a result of what other people are afraid of that's that's not living my life that's living my life according to someone else's standard which is not mine and at the same time i felt very selfish and i felt ashamed for making them worried but i did a lot of practical things like for instance i had a spot it, that sent a signal to a web page, so they could follow me on the map all the time where I was. And also that spot it communicated through satellite, so I could send them a message every night that I'm safe, and I'm at a hotel, or I'm at a, I put up my camping, or my tent, or whatever, just to tell them every night that I was safe. Because I did not know how well internet would work in Iran. And also I did contact the Swedish embassy in Iran and had a special contact person there. I gave that contact person's phone number to my sister, to my friends, to my partner, etc. So that they knew where to turn to if if that spot on the map would disappear.
0: Right. And it's mostly, I mean, you hear a lot of people, like what you are saying now, uh, but also a lot of other uh, sort of people who do crazy things or adventurous things. It's mostly not that they just don't think about the consequences they mostly try to minimize them as much as they can
1: which i think is essential i think so too That's stupid
0: no it's true i mean you got to minimize because otherwise you're pretty much just yeah not really thinking everything true yeah now what happened in iran was in fact the complete opposite than what everyone thought would happen and all the fears that you felt and I'm going to paraphrase a sentence out of your TEDx talk that I liked a lot. You said that this is not a story about running, it's a story about affecting the world. And it indeed wasn't a story just about running, it was something bigger and became something way bigger than I think even you imagined as well. What were some of the first things that happened in Iran that started shifting your perception of this country that you thought, hmm, this is very different than what the media showed me.
1: Yeah, actually, it was the first day of my run, and I was, that first day, I felt so lonely because, uh, well, my friend left, it was only me now, me alone on the road with maps that I couldn't read, road signs that I couldn't read, they were all in Persian, I couldn't understand, I couldn't talk to anyone, it was awfully warm, and I was lonely. And then I ran my first distance, and I came to a city, and I... There was a camping in a park and I was sitting outside my tent when the guy who was running the camping, he came by and gave me his lunch. He's like, just like that. he's like, whoops, this, as, it was his own lunch. He had brought it with him to work to have something to eat, but he gave it to me. And it was, wow, wow, what is this? what's going on? This is, this is wonderful. And I thanked him and I ate the lunch and I cleaned the plate and gave it back to him. And, and then the second thing that happened was that I went to a restaurant to, to use the Wi-Fi. And as I was sitting there, they put up a lot of food in front of me and I was not allowed to pay because I was a foreigner and I was a guest in their country. <laughs>
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and and during the night, a couple came by and asked if I wanted to sleep in their home instead of in the tent. But I was already in bed, so I didn't want to do that. And in, in the morning when I left, I I passed the bakery shop and the bakers gave me bread. They didn't want my money. And people in the shops, they were giving me... I wasn't allowed to pay and there were so many things like that during the first day so I thought this is not a coincidence this is a pattern and this is happening all the time and i think that first welcoming was very very important for me and i'm thinking about that when people come to sweden also that how do I welcome them? How do I make them feel at home if they are lonely, tired, feeling scared and so on? I think it's very, very important when someone is that vulnerable to to take care of that person and to welcome that person.
0: Yeah, it is indeed. And this is exactly what we need to hear and see more. That part uh, of the world, because the majority of people are good hard people like the majority throughout the whole world are good hard people but we we need to hear that a little bit more
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and I think I mean actually that's that's also what is happening in Sweden and in many other countries and I met people in Iran who were thanking people in Sweden for being so kind to people that fled from the Iran-Iraq war to Sweden, but. I don't think that's the way Swedes are looking at ourselves usually because that's also what we're not writing in our newspapers or in in our TV shows. But we do have a great hospitality here as well and a great kindness and a desire to help. And we do help, but we we kind of never tell it. We should be proud of what we're doing and tell ourselves the good stories that we create because we are loving and caring people.
0: Yeah, we just need to make positivity louder.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: In in what way do you feel that you changed after that adventure?
1: I think I had a strong belief in humankind before I left, but I, it's even stronger now after, because I met so incredible beauty in, in the sense. I mean, I, I slept in 34 different people's homes. They invited me, they gave me food, they took care of me. They... <laughs> I had eight punctures. I never took care of anyone myself. They helped me with it. And I mean, it was so amazing in so many different ways. But I also believe much stronger in the value of following your own heart, because I wanted to affect the world. And in one sense, I could not understand how, but, but the effect of this run has been that I think it's more than 32 million people who have seen the trailer and the video from from my run and which has created an enormous lot of positive uh, comments and, and around the world saying that wow this is really this is really what humankind is about. It's all about love, it's all about friendship, mm. same no matter where we are. And also I've been writing a book about this trip and it's published in Sweden. It will be published in Germany. Spain, uh, Czechia, in Dutch, and in Slovenia, and hopefully in English. I'm working on it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Let me know, uh, because I would love to read
1: that. Yeah, so for me, this has become so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. And the most amazing thing is actually that my intention was never to affect Iran. but, But it turned out that I was running through Iran a lot of people in Iran didn't think I would make this. They thought I would die and, and have a terrible time. But now people, in, I became a news in, in Iran as well. I was interviewed by four different TV channels and by well, magazines and newspapers and radio stations. And people who followed my run, they saw that, that I was incredibly well taken care of no matter where I came. So this created an enormous pride and joy in Iran. So actually, one family where I slept, they, they decided to rent an entire restaurant. And they invited all the 34 different families where I've been sleeping.
0: Oh god, because, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And it was because they wanted to hold a party and celebrate themselves as the, the beautiful people as they, they are. And so it turned out that my act of trust created a lot of trust in Iran. And my experience is this is usually what happens When I fulfill my dream and follow my heart, there's always something happening that I cannot explain, that it's totally unexpected, but that is so much bigger than I could even dream of. And in addition to that, (laughs) there is, I'm just so, it's just so amazing because right now there is an Iranian woman who is running alone through Iran inspired by me, and she's doing that. I mean, I was not a part of the culture, but she is. And a lot of people have asked me, what if an Iranian woman would do that? Would she be able to do it? And I can't answer that because I'm not Iranian, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. know my own perspective. But now she's running, and she's heading towards West, and she's having a great run so far. And for me, this is just so, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my hair is rising on my arms when I'm talking about it because...
0: Mine too, though.
1: <laughs> I mean, if, if I could inspire an Iranian woman to do this and with her action, she's, she's so much more acting for freedom for women in a country where the laws are, I mean, they are not very good towards women. And her contribution can actually be to change that country towards the better for women in her country. And if I could be a little, small part of inspiring her to do that, that's just so great.
0: Yeah, and that's where it's all about just following your heart, because only then such things can happen, and this is just so amazing to hear.
1: And that's the reward that comes with it.
0: Exactly, that is, that is the reward, that's so true. Christina. I just have three more questions here on the main subject for you, as I don't want to take your whole day. This is actually, you, you. this is pretty cool, but a documentary has in fact been created out of this called A Lone Treaty Ran 1,144 Miles of Trust, which mm. has been screening now all over the world. How, how did it feel for you the first time watching that movie yourself?
1: Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> because, first of all, I didn't understand what it meant to do a documentary. I, I thought it meant that I would be a part of making the documentary but I mean a documentary has to be independent out of the person it is about and for me this is this is my life calling hey you can't make a documentary without asking me <laughs> and of course the I mean I've been running around with a video camera in Iran and I did a lot of filming myself and also people I met did a lot of filming and then I also had there was um, iranian photographer who was with me for eight days during the 59 days i was running so two guys in sweden created a documentary out of my material and the photographer's material and they i mean they need to do that independently of me so i didn't know what the movie was going to be about
0: oh that's (laughs) exciting (laughs)
1: So I was sitting there in a big, uh, well, cinema with 180 people not knowing what I would see and just sitting there with so many people and then suddenly someone has translated what people were saying to me, people that I met, people that I talked to but I never understood them and now they had translated it and I could understand and it was It was just hilarious. (laughs) It was so amazing. And to suddenly hear those people, what they were saying to me. And and it was just amazing things. For instance, there was a a man saying all the time. He was saying, yesterday, what time is it? Yesterday, what time is it? And I got kind of a little bit annoyed by him because it didn't make sense to me. (laughs) In, In the movie, he's turning towards his friend and his friend is asking, What are you telling her? Well, I'm saying everything that I know in English.
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's a lot of things. Uh, It was just amazing to see it the first time. And, And I've seen it so many times. It will be a screening tonight in Sweden as well, so I will go there. Too and it's still amazing to see it. I think I've seen it maybe 25 times. I I mean,
0: how amazing is it that they made a documentary out of something such an adventure of you? And I I don't know. I can only imagine this to be such an amazing thing to see.
1: Yeah, it's it's just wonderful, and it, it will. It's also it will go to a film festival in Switzerland now in May, and then to London in August, and to Scotland and to Australia and. It has been rewarded with a prize in, in Russia. And that's also just amazing to see how it's kind of traveling around the world. Wow. It's one of my babies kind of traveling around the world. And I have no idea where it's going. But it's, it's a lot of fun to see it.
0: Yeah, you more than deserve that, actually. And uh, that's cool. So even in Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always curious to ask this following question we we all face difficult and challenging times in life life is not for no one just a perfect straight road it's it's rather a road full of bumps and challenges what for you do you feel that whenever you are facing such a difficult time no matter what happens helps you tremendously to deal with them is there a certain mindset or belief a quote an exercise or something
1: actually i do i do believe in god and I think that really helps me. And believing in God in my way, the way I do, is is believing in following my heart is always the right way to go. And for me, I mean, I believe that there is a higher purpose with each and every one of us. And I believe there is a reason why we like to do whatever we like to do. And I tend to call that God. If you don't call it God or call it something else, I don't mind. (laughs) You can call it whatever you want to. But for me, the thing that brings you joy, the things that's really meaningful to you, that's in my mind the divine part of a person And, well, I simply believe that there is a purpose why we're here. And, well, for instance, my divorce, it it, it was my divorce and not being able to have children and and being on a sick leave at the same time. it, It was a horrible time, but I think I was on the wrong direction with my life. And that was life's way to tell me, hey, wake up, turn into another direction and do something else. And that was good, because my life has turned out being so much better. After that, so I believe that even in the darkest moments, there is a meaning.
0: Yeah, I I think life is always trying to steer us in the right direction, but we can keep ignoring it. But life is always trying to help you back on the path where you actually belong. But it's about yeah, listening and seeing actually that in those difficult moments, maybe there are actually opportunities.
1: Yes, I think so. And maybe you don't see it right when it happens. I mean, for instance, during my divorce, I had. Six months that were just totally black. I don't remember almost anything of it. Of course, I couldn't see a meaning by them, but I could see it a couple of years later. So I think it's really valuable for me to believe that that meaning exists and know that it exists even during that black time.
0: Yeah, which is, which is challenging, which is not easy, but I do think believing in a higher something
1: mm. is
0: very helpful in life.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: So the last question here is likely one that you've been asked a few times, but um, how, does, how does the future looks, look like for you, Christina? Are there any other adventures waiting ahead or any other projects or current objectives?
1: Well, actually, currently I don't really know, but that's also an exciting part to just let, well, swim around in life and see what's going to happen in one sense, but I have ideas I've been writing that book now. The documentary is ready. I've done so many lectures about the Iran run. And I'm really happy about making them. At the same time, that's my past. It's not my future. So I've been starting dreaming. And I recognize this pattern. Usually, I do something. And then I need to recover for a while. And then after I recovered for a while, a lot of AD starts popping up. Mm. Right now, me and my friend Karina, we're thinking about maybe we should bike through all the Stan countries, which means Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, etc.
0: Oh, wow, yeah.
1: And that could be really nice. And, I mean, the the issues there are Pakistan and Afghanistan, of course. But in Iran, I met a woman, an ultramarathon running woman. Her name is Masa, and and she's running together with women in, in Afghanistan. And there's also Stephanie, oh, I don't remember her last name who created an organization that's named Free to Run. And she is having running groups in Afghanistan. So I'm thinking there are women running in Afghanistan. It would be so nice to go running with them.
0: That would be amazing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking if women can run in in Afghanistan, then maybe it's possible to bike in at least a few areas, hopefully. I don't know. That would definitely be interesting. But also I've been looking at, well, running through Kalahari Desert. I mean, when I was in Iran, I was for a while thinking that next adventure will be cold and not so many people, <laughs> not so many people in the Kalahari Desert. But, and also during the Swedish summer, it's, it's reasonable temperatures there. So that could be interesting, but also because, I mean, I know nothing about Africa and it's a giant continent with so many cultures, countries, languages, religions the iran run had a higher purpose and i kind of like it was not just only an adventure it was an adventure with a purpose and i would like my next adventure to have a purpose as well and i haven't really found that edge yet but it usually takes a while so <laughs> i hope i will find it
0: i'm sure i'm sure you will but it's definitely like a combination of both of those things that makes uh, a pretty amazing experience.
1: Yes. And it's so much more worth it when there is a purpose.
0: It is, it is. Christina, I thank you just so much already for for this interview and sharing your story, experiences and, and lessons. Uh, before we say goodbye, I like to end this interview with two final end questions that I ask all my guests. And you can take your time with them, no rush in answering them immediately. Um, The first one that I have is what words of wisdom, what advice has helped you through your life?
1: There is a Swedish mental trainer, Lars-Erik Unestål. He did say once that the human is not a result of her experiences. She is the reason for her future. And I kind of like that.
0: That's a beautiful quote, yeah. Yeah. Before I ask the last question, Christina. What is the best place for people to stay in touch with you and to learn more about you?
1: I think it is well my Facebook, Christina Palten, and also Instagram with Christina Palten, and also my homepage, which is palten.se, and I write on both English and Swedish on my webpage.
0: That's perfect. I I will link this up for everyone to find in the show notes. The Final question that I have for you, Christina, from everything that you've seen, experienced, lived and learned in your life, what is the one thing you know to be true?
1: Life is a gift, life is beautiful, just live it.
0: That's that's beautifully said and uh, very true. Christina, uh, it was a true pleasure having you here on the show and, and thank you just so much for your time and for being such an inspiration.
1: Thank you, it was a very nice interview and very nice talking to you.
0: And there you go everyone, that's it for this most inspiring episode with Christina Paltel. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did talking with her. She truly is an incredible human being with a most beautiful heart. If you'd like to follow Christina, check out her adventures and see what she's up to, or get in touch with her, go to her website at www.palton.se. Or simply click on the link located in the description, which will pull up the show notes of this episode, where you can find links to her social pages, everything we talked about, and much more. With that, thank you for spending time with Christina and me here on the Inner Picture Stories podcast. I hope it brought you value and I hope that you join me for another adventure, another episode of the Inner Picture Stories podcast. Until then, all the best. This is fast. Fass, signing off.